Mysterious and unknown, your boundless love unfailing. Oh, 
good morning, Southview. How are you? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad that you're with us here today as we worship the Lord together. If you're new, my name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview, and it's so good to have you with us. Real quick, before we keep going, I've got a few announcements I want to throw your way. Number one, if you're a guest with us, welcome. We're glad that you're here worshiping with us. If you are a guest, we'd love to connect with you. Uh, best, easiest way you can do that is simply just to grab your cell phone and text the word CONNECT to the number on the screen. 910-424-1298. Just text your, grab your cell phone, text that number. A link will be sent to you. Click on that, answer a couple of questions, and we'll know that you're here and how we can pray for you, minister to you, connect with you in the best way possible. But a few more announcements I just want to make you aware of. After the 11 o'clock service today, we're going to have in the Family Life Center a quick business meeting to approve the package and job description for the discipleship pastor position we're going to be filling so we're going to do that after the 12 after the 11 o'clock about 12 15 in the FLC uh, if you're sticking around for that grab your kids if you have kids check them out of child care first then head over to the FLC 12 15 for that also this coming Saturday our ladies are having a prayer breakfast uh, really excited it's going to be a great 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 time for ladies to come together uh, ladies, if you're planning on being a part of that, again, just grab your phone and text the word breakfast to our number, 910-424-1298, just so we can have a number of what we're expecting. Text that, and it's going to be this coming Saturday, I believe, 8, is that the start time for that? 9, 9, thank you very much, 9 o'clock this coming Saturday, uh, text breakfast so we'll know who's coming for that. Also, ladies, if you're coming, um, if you could also maybe bring an unwrapped baby gift. They're going to collect those and send them to the Agape House, which is a, a pregnancy resource center here in our area that we help support. Uh, so if you could may, uh, come and remember to bring a, an unwrapped baby gift, that would be great. Also, next uh, Sunday is the deadline for our Thanksgiving baskets. If you can go to the table at the desk in the back, or as you walk out of each side door here, you'll see a table with some uh, grocery bags. You can grab that. There's an instruction sheet to tell you what to put in those and bring those back here. And we fill up some baskets to give to families in our church and in our community who are in need here at Thanksgiving. So if you could fill that out, we would love that. Also, next Saturday, we're having a training time after, again, the 11 o'clock service for anyone interested in opening up their home at Halloween to be an outreach center in their neighborhood. We're going to help provide candy and whatever resources you need for that just open up your neighborhood and be a light for the gospel of christ on that day as families come by and you're able to minister to them so if you're interested in that you can text the word halloween to the number on the screen 910-424-1298 text halloween there so you can get signed up for that and today we're having our baptism class if you're wanting to follow the lord in baptism we're going to have a class today at 6 30 if you want to sign up for that, you can text BAPTISM to our number. Our baptism is going to be on the 18th of this month, October, where we're going to come together this afternoon just to kind of talk a little bit about baptism, answer questions. That's today at 6.30. Sign up. Be here today for that. Um, I've got a, a scripture that I want to share with you. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 
says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Uh, this kind of harkens back to Genesis chapter 1 where God creates Adam and creates him out of nothing. The theological term is ex nihilo. It literally means just out of nothing God made. So he creates and then he takes the dirt from the ground and he forms Adam. Takes a rib from Adam and he forms Eve. Makes man and woman. Creates. You are created by God. But then this scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, says that when you believe by faith in Jesus, almost like Genesis 1 happens all over again for you. You're now made again a new creation. Adam was formed out of the ground. Eve was formed out of the rib. And when you believe by faith in Christ, you get formed new out of Jesus. Our big idea for today is that when you believe by faith in Jesus Christ, at that moment, you are literally brand new. Your past does not define you. Your mistakes do not define you. Your successes do not define you. You are new. And you get to be empowered by the Spirit of God to live out the new. This is your inheritance in Jesus Christ as a child of God. And today we're going to talk about how amazing it is to live in that. I want to ask you just to bow your heads just for a moment. I'm going to start us off in prayer. Asking the Lord to empower our worship here today as we, as we worship Him. Worship Him. I want to encourage you today. Worship Him as a new creation. You worship out of your newness. You get to stand before God today and say thank you that you have made me new not because of anything that I did but because you and your grace just did that and now I'm just going to praise you for making me new today I want to encourage you worship praise lift your hands lift your voice praise God today for making you new Jesus thank you Thank you that you make us new. Thank you that you made me new. Thank you that every person in this room today who has believed by faith in you has been made new. Our old is gone. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, All the old is thrown away. Nothing but new remains. I pray that you would deliver us from the lies of the enemy that tell us our old still defines us. The sin that we may continue to struggle with still defines us. The mistakes that we're continuing to make define us. All of those are lies. What defines you, what, what makes you, you now, is the fact that you've been made new in Jesus. I ask you, Lord, that you would allow this powerful, amazing reality to become our experience right here today as we worship. Do this in us, Jesus, for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. I invite you to stand with us as we celebrate the fact that God has made us new. You have been purchased at a great price. You have been saved by grace. Let's sing. We are your church. We are your church. We are your church. 
eyes today, Lord. We lift our eyes. We lay our hearts before you. Expectant here for you.
in Christ we have been made whole. Let's sing. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. No, my God will never fail. Sing it out, church. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war, every war he wages, he will win. I'm not backing down from any giant. Oh no, I know how this story ends. Yes, we do, Lord, we know how this story I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Whoa. take what the enemy meant for you and you turn it for good you turn it for good let's sing that truth together sing it loudly you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good i can celebrate you take what the enemy meant for evil you turn it for good. You turn it for good. I'm going to see your victory. I'm going to see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see your victory. I'm going to see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. You take, you take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. My Lord, my God, you take what the enemy meant for 
that song we just sang as I as I sit here and we and we sing I just kind of my mind starts to wonder and, and in our congregation we've got people who uh, I found out today we have two families in our church who have adult children missing I don't even know where they are we have families in our church with people that you love that are neck deep in addiction We've got people in our church who are being unjustly pursued in legal means. We have people in our church who are experiencing the, the devastation of broken marriages that you don't want to be broken. And as we think about that song that we just sang, everything that the enemy means for evil, our God turns it for good. And I don't want that just to be a song that we sing. I want it to be a prayer, a, a belief that we have in our hearts we understand. So let's just bow our heads just for a moment. And, and wherever you land in that, maybe you have a, a child or a loved one that's a, a proverbial prodigal. And they're running away from the Lord. Maybe you even feel like you are the prodigal running away from the Lord. Whatever the situation, whatever the circumstance, I want, I want you to set your heart on trusting in God, not, not in the outcome that you want even necessarily, but trusting in the Lord that He is truly working this together for good. And the good is that you look more like Jesus, you act more like Jesus, you live more like Jesus. God, as we worship, I pray, God, that you would stop us from just singing songs, but let these songs really be our heart cry and our prayer. God, I pray for God, I pray for the families who have missing loved ones, God, that you would bring them home safely. God, that you would intervene there. That you would bring light and truth. I pray for those who have loved ones in addiction, that you would break those bonds. Loved ones that are running away from the Lord, who have made professions of faith but are not living in that. I pray, God, that truth shines in their hearts and they turn to you, Jesus. I pray for people in this room who are running from you. Today, I pray, God, that they, they meet you and are forever changed. You are here in our midst, right here and right now. Jesus, you are here. You are touching hearts and lives, and you are changing for your glory. Do this in us, God. We desperately need it. Your children call out to you. Do this in us, Jesus. Scripture says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. God has made a way and will make a way. No matter what situation we face, church, God.
God is already in tomorrow. Isn't that amazing? And so we can sing the song with truth and with confidence and with hope and the Spirit of God moving in this place. By faith we believe. And we sing and we celebrate the gospel. Let's sing together. You are here. You are here. Moving in our midst, I worship you, I worship you, you are here, working in this place, I worship you, I worship you, you are here, moving in is open. Stop, you never stop working. You never stop, 
you never stop working. Shout it out. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. by a service time or a service flow. Let us be bound and, and carried by the spirit of the living God. Let us respond to you in spirit and in truth. Let us worship you with the whole of our souls. God, I pray that you would bless these requests and I thank you that you have already made a way So let them see your goodness through this, God. I pray that you go before us, you go behind us, that you put protection around us. Give this body. Let us sing and let us simply celebrate your goodness today. Let's sing. The Lord is my shepherd. He goes before me. Defender behind me, I won't fear. I'm filled with anointing. Thank you, Lord. My cup's overflowing. Mercy and goodness 
together. If you have a Bible, let's find the book of First Peter together, all right? First Peter chapter 2. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one uh, on the back of the pew in front of you or underneath those pews. We're going to be in First Peter chapter 2. It's going to be page 1113 in the pew Bible, if you're using that. So, we were, we were driving to church today. We had all of our kids with us, and so we're driving here, and... We, we tried to kind of set the stage a little bit for, for, for worship as we, we drive here with our kids. and um, Sunday mornings can be crazy, right? So you're getting everybody up and uh, the clothes that you picked out for your kid, evidently they grew a foot and a half last night, right? So those pants don't fit anymore. We've got to find more pants. Right? So that's... All right, that's Sunday morning for us, if that's anything like you guys. But we're on the way here, and we're trying to kind of get a little bit settled. And so, um, uh, Marie brought up Psalm 4. Today's the 4th, October 4th. She said, Psalm 4. Let's, let's talk about Psalm 4. And so, in Psalm chapter 4, it says that um, uh, your, jo- your joy abounds more... No, your, you, are, you bring more gladness to my heart than when new wine and grain abound. 
You bring more gladness to my heart than renewed wine and grain abound. And what he's saying there is, God is better than your best days. So often we just want a circumstance to be better, right? And so we're praying for a better day and God is saying, okay, well, better better days are good. What if I gave you me? Would that be all right? And it's not that the better days don't come. The, the, the wine and the, the grain, they, there are days where those indeed do abound and those are fantastic. But you get to enjoy those even more because those aren't what you've built your life on. What we're going to talk today is the fact that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are different people. We're people not of this world. How many of you are not from the South? Raise your hand. Welcome, glad you're here. All smart, godly people make their way here eventually. We're glad that you're a part of that. How many of you, you moved here to the South, and it was different than where you came from, yes? There we go. Big hands going up. I know, because where you're from is weird, right? And so... But you move into a new area, and people talk differently, and they respond differently, and they eat weird things, and all the stuff, the restaurants, and the soft drinks, and the stuff that you ate and drank growing up, like they don't have that here anymore, and they got new things. Like, what's a cheer wine? I don't know what that is. You come into a new area from outside. And things are just different. Like you're, you, you're, you're not from there. And in a much larger sense, that's how God is describing us here on earth. This is not your home. This is not where you're from. This is not where you get your identity. You're a people, if you believe by faith in Jesus, you're a people not of this world. You are supposed to be different. As we saw 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we began the service. You are now a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all new has come. You're new. You're different. Therefore, you live, act, think, talk differently. You're people not of this world. So what I want us to see as we go through 1 Peter chapter 2 is just a, a, a couple of the things that make you different. What makes you different from everyone around you what makes you different from this world, and why that's so significant. We're not different just for the sake of being different. We're not different because we think that we're better and they're lesser. We're different because God in his grace has just made us new. And so what I want us to talk about today about is how we live out that newness. How do we live out being a new people, not of this world? So 1 Peter chapter 2 is where we're going to be. And first big idea I want you to see is this. We're, we're a people of the Bible. We're a people of the Bible. We're a people of, of God's word. This is the, we believe, the word given to us by God. And so we, we seek to live that out. So you pick that up in chapter 2, verse 1. Look at what it says. So put away all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So verse 2 has an interesting line. 
Look at verse 2 again. It says, long for the pure spiritual milk. So if you have a King James or New King James, it says something along the lines of long for the milk of the word. If you have ESV, like I'm reading here, Holman Christian Standard that you have in the pew in front of you, NIV, it says something along this lines: long for the pure spiritual milk. So what is it? Is it spiritual milk or is it the word? Well, the answer is yes. The actual wording there says literally both, long for the pure spiritual word milk. Here's what this means. It's telling you, when you engage with God's word, when you When you spend time in God's word and invest in God's word, you are literally encountering in a real spiritual way the God of the universe. These are not just words on a page. This is not just a book that gives us rules to live by. This is not just a roadmap for your life. You are literally engaging with the God of the universe. It says here, that we are to long for this. Like newborn infants. This idea of a brand new baby that longs for milk because that is the only sustenance they can have. That's the only way. If you've ever had a newborn baby, we've had four of them so far. Babies, when they're hungry, they let you know. Right? They long for it. They cry. They scream. They are little 3 a.m. alarm clocks. They're longing for this milk. They have to have it. And it says here that word long, it's a, it's a real intense word, this craving, this desire. It's actually the same word used in a sinful sense for lust. Like you crave this. Psalm 42, 1 says, like a deer pants for the water, so my soul Pants for you, oh God. Now, we love that verse because it sounds quaint. We put it on coffee cups and sweaters. It's always a picture of this deer by a brook, right? It's so sweet and simple. Deer by a brook, head slightly tilted to the side. Trees in the background. That is not at all what Psalm 42.1 is saying. Psalm 42.1 is describing an animal living in the desert. Literally on the verge of death from dehydration. Completely skin and bones, tongue swollen, crawling its way to the first brook it can find, plunging its head into it, soaking up as much as possible because without it, it's going to die. That is Psalm 42.1. As the deer pants for the water, craves it, needs it, dives into it. Because without it, I'm going to die. So my soul longs and craves and pants for you, God. I have to have you or I'm just going to die. And in the same way it says, like newborn infants long, crave, desire, Lust, this pure spiritual word, milk. Why? That by it you may grow up into salvation. This is the means by which God has given for your growth. It's the means in which God has given you to grow up into your salvation. You've been made new in Jesus. We've established that. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. But you've got to grow up into that, right? Again, we've got four kids. 
and especially when our kids are younger, do you buy clothes that fit your children? No. Why? Because you don't want to go buy more clothes next week. You buy clothes that are a little bit bigger. And what do you say? You'll grow into it. That's exactly what he's saying here. You, you've, been, you've had salvation placed onto you. You've been made new in Jesus, and now you grow up into that. You fit it. You grow up into that. And the way in which you're going to grow up into that is the Word of God. As you long for the pure spiritual milk of the Word, you grow up into salvation. And verse 1 gives you a little bit of an idea of what that growing up will look like. You're going to put away sin. Put away all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. You're putting away these sins. You don't want them as a part of your life anymore. You hate them. You love God. You hate sin. So you take sin, and you chunk it out of your life. Uh, there was a, a, a study that was done. They, they interviewed almost half a million Christians to ask them about what do you believe, and what do you do, and how do you live out your faith. And so they found all kinds of things. But one of the interesting realizations that they had is something that they they coined the power of four and what they discerned was this if a follower of christ spends at least four days a week in god's word a radical shift begins to happen in them if a believer in christ spends one day a week in the word not much happens two days a week not much happens three days a week not much happens But when a believer in Christ says they spend at least four days a week in the Word, a radical explosion of spiritual growth happens. Believers who spend at least four days a week in the Word are over 400% more likely to memorize and apply the Bible. They're over 200% more likely to share their faith. Believers that spend at least four days a week in the Bible are over 100 times more likely to not look at pornography. Christians that spend at least four days a week in the Bible are over 30% more likely to not struggle with loneliness. Why is that? Because I think when you go to four days a week, the word literally becomes the majority in your life, right? The majority of the week, you're, you're beginning with the word. It is the means by which God is given to grow you up into maturity. Just on a real practical level, let's say this. If you begin your mornings looking at your phone rather than looking at your Bible, don't be shocked with the way your day goes. Don't stand back and say, I had no idea that was going to, I can't believe I did that. It is the means by which God has given to grow you up into salvation. And and then look at verse 3. Therefore, again, ending verse 2, that by it you may grow up into salvation... Verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. I love that verse. If you were here with us Friday night for worship, uh, I, I talked several times about this. This is a scripture that has just, it has been so powerful and real in my heart all week long. Psalm 34, 8 also says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It says here in verse 3 that you're going to do this. You're going to long for the milk. You're going to long for the word. You're going to long for God if You have tasted that he is good. So here's the way this thing works. And this is so hugely important. This was a mind shift for me when God opened my eyes to this. It completely changed the way I viewed the Christian faith and gave me actual empowerment to live it out. So for a long time for me, time in the word or just walking in the Christian faith was purely about my willpower, right? 
So again, let's stick with just the, the, the idea at hand of just the, the word. We're people of the word. And so my whole life I've heard that. People of the Bible. Got to be in the Bible. Got to have your quiet time. Got to have your quiet time, which is true. But for me, I, I went after that in a purely fleshly way. Right? And so it was, all right, all right, all right, I'm going to set my alarm clock earlier. So I set my alarm clock earlier. And doggone it, I will start turning that thing off in my sleep. Anybody ever did that? Like you hit snooze and you wake up four hours later like, what just happened? So then I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to put the alarm clock on the other side of the room. So that way I got to actually physically get up and go get it. So you know what I started doing? Sleepwalking. Turn off my alarm. And then came back in bed. Like, what is happening right now? I know what I need. I need an accountability partner. So I get an accountability partner. And we both hit snooze. So I tried to all these ways. And so I, the key I found was not more willpower, an accountability partner, or a better reading plan. All those things may be well and good. But what I discerned, what I found out eventually is verse 3. What drives me to the word and what drives me to God is getting a taste of how good he is and I want more of him. Question. If you taste something gross, do you say, ooh, i got to have more of that? No. No, you do not. No one ever took a spoonful of you know, cod liver oil and went, can I have another? That's fantastic. No, you do not. But, you ever had a piece of cake? And thought, I could do two. When you taste something good, you want more of it. What stopped me in my heart from pursuing the Lord, as a believer in Christ, what stopped me from really pursuing the Lord was I didn't have a full understanding of how good he was. I knew things about him, but I had not fully experienced him. The illustration I gave Friday evening was like honey. right? So I can tell you properties of honey. And so you can learn properties of honey. And then from that, look at a jar and go, it's brown. I can tell from the consistency. It looks sticky. I can see bits of honeycomb in there. That's honey. You can do that. You can, you can learn properties about honey and discern what is honey. Or you can taste it. And the second you taste it, like, ooh, that's honey. That's sweet. I want more of that. What God is calling you to is not that you would just get in the Bible more. What God's calling you to is that you would taste and see that he is good. When you taste and see that he is good, you want more of him. When you taste him, you desire him. So here's my question. Because this is the question that plagued me. Okay? What happens if I don't really desire him? What happens if I don't want him as much as I think I know I should? What do I do? And I think the answer is this. You pray. You pray. You pray specifically that God would allow you to experience his goodness and taste his goodness and experience so that you can want more of it. I'll give you a little prayer prompt to help you with this. God, G-O-D, 
how do we desire more of God, want more of God, pursue more of God? You have to taste and see that he is good. And if you do not have that experience that he is good, I think you need to pray. One, ask the Lord, give me a taste of your goodness. I want to taste your, I want to experience this. Let me taste your goodness. The Bible says that you will do these things if you have tasted the Lord is good. So then ask him to do that. Right? It all spins there. If you taste and see that he is good, then you're going to desire the word. Then you're going to grow up into salvation. It all starts with tasting him. So ask him to let you experience that. Second, ask him to open up your eyes to see his glory, his worth, his majesty, how amazing he is, how, how, how rich and powerful he is. Ask him to open up your eyes to see how worthy God is. And you just desire him, you want him, you pursue him. And then last, pray. Don't let me get filled up with worthless things. We have Thanksgiving coming up here in a couple of months. So Thanksgiving, he had three F's. Family, food, and football. So imagine you're, you're getting ready for Thanksgiving dinner. And it's everything. You got the turkey. And for the people who don't like turkey, you got ham. Right? You got the whole thing. You got the spread. And it is amazing. And you have been fasting for a week and a half just to be ready like you are set then imagine on your way to eat that meal you swing into a gas station you buy 20 pounds of junk food and you gorge yourself with it all the way to the house you show up and it doesn't matter how amazing that food is, how good it smells, how good it looks, how much everyone around you is telling you how great. You've got to try this. This is so good. Don't you want this? You, because you've gorged yourself on so much garbage, you couldn't fit a spoonful in your mouth if your life depended on it, right? Because you've already filled yourself up with worthless, empty calorie junk and this is exactly the way it works in the lord for many of us we say well the key is you got to taste and see that god is good you got to taste and see that god is good well the problem is we filled ourselves with so much junk like there's there's no room to taste anything else so i think we want to pray god Give me a taste of your goodness. Open up my eyes to see your glory and your worth. And don't let me get filled up with worthless junk that's going to ruin my spiritual appetite. I just want to be hungry for you. We are people of the Bible. And the word powerfully changes us. Uh, second is this. We're people with a solid foundation. And our foundation is Jesus. So in verse 4, he starts using a temple analogy. So verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as, spiritual, as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. All right, stop there. Let's just look at these 
two verses, four and five. You have a solid foundation. He uses this temple analogy. So the temple was a major part of Jewish life, right? So they go to the temple to offer sacrifices. The temple was destroyed in 70 AD. But you could go to Jerusalem today, and even though the temple is destroyed, you can go and tour the foundations of the temple. And there are foundation stones left from the temple 2,000 plus years ago. These things are as big as tractor trailers. They are huge. And they were the foundations on which this massive, glorious temple was built. And even though the temple was destroyed two millennia ago, the foundation was so strong, it still remains. And what he's telling us is, you are now the new temple of God. And Jesus is your foundation. Verse 4, as you come to him. I love that because this is just a, just a real sweet, intimate thing. You come to Jesus, and he's so good, and you just stay there. Right? You just remain. You stay with him because he's so good, and that intimacy with him is so sweet. As you come to him, as a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Jesus God's son, chosen and precious in his sight, is rejected by men of this world. Rejected by people here in our society. And in the same way, there are people in this room, people in our city, people in your lives. You've rejected Jesus. You've rejected him. You you look at Jesus and you say, I don't want to do what Jesus says to do. I don't want to to have Jesus tell me what to do with my life. I don't want Jesus to tell me what to do with my money. I don't want Jesus to tell me what to do with my relationships. I don't want Jesus to tell me what to do with my sex life. I don't want Jesus telling me what to do. I don't want that. And you reject him. I've talked to countless people who say that they are Christians, but their life is living proof that they are not building it on Jesus as their foundation. Just simply saying the word you're a Christian doesn't count as the same thing as actually building your life on the foundation of Jesus. Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 7, there's going to come a day where many who called him Lord will show up and he will say, get out of here. I never knew you because you didn't build your life on me. You rejected me on earth. I'm rejecting you now. Your foundation. Christ. Verse 5 again. You yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 6 he quotes Isaiah 28 for it stands in scripture behold I am laying in Zion a stone a cornerstone chosen and precious and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. What a cool verse. No one who places faith in Jesus is going to be disappointed. No one. 
Now, there are people who say they put their faith in Jesus and find it hollow. There are people who, who know things about God but do not find it fulfilling. There are people who experience momentary emotional bursts of excitement because of things related to God, but they're not really built on Christ, and it ultimately flames out, and it's nothing. But people who truly, genuinely build their life on Jesus will never, ever, ever be put to shame. You're never embarrassed about it. You're you're never sorry that you did it. You never regret that decision. It will never be put to shame. However, as we said, there are some who do reject. Verse 7 picks that up. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word and they were des- as they were destined to do so. Jesus will be one of two things for you. Either Jesus will be the foundation on which you build your life or he'll be the rock that you stumble over on your way to hell. Those are the only two options. And I love the fact that it describes Jesus as the rock you have to trip over on your way to hell. He isn't hiding himself from you. In order to reject him, you literally have to walk over him. He is here saying, I gave myself, I laid my life down so that you can build on top of me. Don't trip over me. Don't reject me. Don't walk around me. Build your life on me. And my encouragement for you here this morning is there are some in this room, my my encouragement for you is Jesus is here and he says, build your life on me. Build your life on me. This idea of what your foundation is is significant. And so I want to ask two questions for you to kind of think through what your foundation is, all right? Number one, is there anything in your life that's off limits to God? Is there anything in your life that's totally off limits? If so, that might be a false foundation that you're building your life on. God, I could do anything except that. I can handle anything except that. Now, there may be things that we walk through in life that are absolutely devastating and heartbreaking. But if our foundation is Jesus, we've got something to stand on. The second question to think through is, when life is hard, where do you go to regain your footing? When life is hard, where do you go? When life is difficult, when sin enters into your heart and sin comes into your life, where do you go to try to seek deliverance from it? Uh, Steve Arterbon, who wrote the book uh, Every Man's Battle, it's about uh, men and their struggle with lust. So I had a chance several years ago to spend some time with Stephen at an event he was speaking at and just kind of got a chance to sit with him and pick his brain a little bit. And it's a neat story. So he was just a business guy, and, uh, but a Christian who loved Jesus. And, and, and he just found himself completely and totally uh, trapped in lust and pornography. 
He said kind of the way it worked for him was he had issues with his dad growing up. Dad never thought it was good enough. And so when he became an adult, he just worked his tail off kind of in his mind of I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove I am somebody. And so he would just work and 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 work. So he traveled a lot for work. He said it never failed. He said this is the way it works. He said I'm working myself to death, burning the candle at both ends to prove something to a man that couldn't care less. And I'm traveling, I'm in planes, I'm all over the country. After just hours and hours and hours of meeting, I get to a hotel at night, I crash. I'm physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually exhausted. I'm miles away from my family, and that is always when that temptation hit. He said, I was weak, I was tired, mainly because I was trying to do something in my flesh to satisfy a man instead of realizing that I'm satisfied in Christ. That's always when that temptation came. And he said, and I started trying to fight it in really silly ways. He said, I started bringing a picture of my wife with me on trips, and I put it up on the table. Well, she's kind of in the room. I won't do anything. That didn't work. So he started bringing his daughter's teddy bear with him. Like if I put the teddy bear in the bed with me, then everything would be cool. That didn't work. And the reason none of that stuff worked is because wives and children are wonderful gifts from God, but they're really crappy foundations. And they can't save you from the sin that's in your heart. This is why Alcoholics Anonymous has a 97% failure rate. Because knowing you're doing a bad thing and you're hurting people in your life that you care about cannot save you from your sin. Only Jesus can. What is the foundation on which you're building your life? Jesus Christ is here. He says, I am the only sure foundation. Build your life on me and you'll never, ever, 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 ever regret it. And that brings us to our last one. We are people with a new identity and purpose. This is so cool. These verses are awesome. I am so running out of time, but I don't care. These verses are amazing. Verse 9, but you, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. This is talking about your identity in Jesus. Look at the way he describes him. You're a chosen race, that word chosen, selected out of a group. Have you ever felt picked over? Have you ever felt like you didn't belong, you weren't wanted, you weren't desired, they didn't really care for you, you were kicked out, you were rejected. You ever showed up to a new class, a new job, a new unit, a new church, and you're like, everybody's all clicked up and doing their thing, and you're over here going, anybody want to be friends with me? It says here, God says, I do. I do. You're his chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. The priesthood were not only the chosen Israel, but within Israel there was a sp- an even special chosen group, the priests. And they got to experience God and engage with God and walk with God in a way the others didn't get to. And it says, you're now his royal priesthood. You get to engage with God and be with God and walk with God and be friends with God in a way that is special and powerful and real. You don't have to stand at a distance. You don't have to know just Him over there. 
You get to be in his presence forever. You're a holy nation. You are set apart and sanctified. You are now holy. Even if you don't live holy, you've been made holy. So now you get to walk out that holiness. You've already been made holy, even if right now you don't fully live it. A people for his own possession. Oh man, how cool is this? So again, we got four kids. And and when you have kids... um, it never fails the one word that they love the most, mine, right? doesn't matter what it is. Like the one broken crayon that isn't even sharpened, for whatever reason, we all got to fight over that one, right? If someone has something, mine, that's mine, I want that, give that to me. Literally, God looks out across humanity, and he looks at you, and he says, I want that one mine you're mine and you become his for a reason verse 9 finishes that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light you get to stand up in this world and say that is who i used to be but look what god has done in me look what god has done for me look at what he's called me out of look who i am now am he has called me out of darkness and he has placed me in the kingdom of his beloved son he has put me in his marvelous light i'm going to ask our band to come up and but i want to read verse 10 to us verse 10 says you once were not a people but now you are god's people once you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy This is a quote from the book of Hosea. And I love the book of Hosea. Hosea is a prophet of God. But the people of God are just rebelling horrifically. They are chasing after other gods and other idols and other things. God says they're being unfaithful to him. So he goes to Hosea and says, Hosea, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and I want you to marry a prostitute named Gomer. I don't know what's worse. She's a prostitute. Or her name is Gomer. Right? I know we got a lot of people having babies and you want a good Bible name. I would suggest Gomer. Be great. He marries this woman, Gomer, knowing she's going to be unfaithful. Knowing she is going to pursue other men. In fact, as you read Hosea 1 and 2, she is so unfaithful, she literally becomes enslaved to a pimp. And Hosea has to go to the auction block to buy his wife back. The ultimate of disgrace. And everyone assumes, because it's Hosea's right to do so, that he's going to buy her back to teach her a lesson. You are not going to embarrass me like this. You are not going to humiliate humiliate me. I've been good to you, and look how you treat me. 
According to the law, he had every right to buy her and kill her on the spot. What does Hosea do? 1 Peter 2.10 tells us. He brings her back into the family. He shows her mercy. He gets her a brand new set of clothes. Gets her cleaned up. Brings her home. It's believed that she has had numerous men, numerous children by other men while they're married. He adopts them. He says, you used to not be my people, but now you're mine. You are in situations where you have not been shown mercy, but I'm going to shower mercy onto you. And this is all a picture of God for you. You are the people of God that are not like this world. And what separates you from them is not that you're better. It's not that you don't break the rules. It's not that you don't have junk in your past or junk in your present. What separates us and makes us a people not of this world is that we have been absolutely, radically, supernaturally overwhelmed by the mercy of God. We didn't get what we deserved. We just got grace. And as I taste God's grace, I want to dive in and know Him more. And as I taste God's grace, I just want to build my life on Jesus and my foundation and nothing else. And as I taste God's grace, I want to live out the new identity that he's given me. Not what this world says I am, not even what I say I am, but just what he tells me I am. And then I want to tell everybody about it. Because we're a people not of this world. I want to ask you to bow your heads just for a moment. And I want to lead two groups of people in two different prayers, and then our band is going to lead us in worship. First is this. I believe we have people in our our room today Today is the day, by God's grace, you are going to be made new in Jesus Christ. You came in here old, today you're going to believe by faith in Jesus and be made new. Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross and he was buried in a grave and he rose again and he did all of that so he can show you mercy. Today. Confess, Jesus, I have been living my own life in my own way. I've had my own foundations. I've done my own stuff. But today, I want to turn from all of that. Jesus, you make me new. Take away my sin. I give it all to you. Make me new today. If that's your prayer, I want to encourage you. Just voice that to the Lord. There are no special words or things you got to follow. Voice that faith prayer to Jesus, asking him to take away your sin and make you new. Today, he promises that he will. And for those here today that are my brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to encourage you. Do you live a life as someone not of this world? Do you live a life of 
powerful spiritual growth because you have tasted and seen that God is good. And so you just keep diving into his word and he shows you how even better he is than you thought before. And you're growing and you're growing and you're growing. Is your life built on the foundation of Christ and Christ alone? Is the identity that you've been given in Jesus what drives you? And the most important thing about you is the fact that you are proclaiming his excellencies because you know that you've been showered his mercy. If the answer to some of those questions is no, or not as much as I should, today I want to encourage you, take time right now, call out to the Lord, ask Him to let you taste and see how good He is. And you can just crave Him even more. Jesus, do this in your people today for your glory. We ask this in your name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. Oh, if, you feel st if you still feel like you need to pray. The altar is always open, church. You can pray where you are. The most important thing is to realize that we are redeemed. You are a holy priesthood, righteous in His sight. If you fall under the blood of Christ, you have been transformed. You have been remade. You have been saved. You have been changed. You have been changed. And so we sing at a celebration who Christ calls you to be. Let's sing. Seems like all I could see was a struggle Haunted by ghosts that lived in my past Bound Shackles of all my failures Wondering how long is this going to last Then you look at this prisoner And say to me, son Stop fighting a fight that's already been won. I am redeemed. You set me free. So I'll shake off these heavy chains, wipe away every stain, because I'm not who I used to be. I am redeemed. Oh. All my life I have been called unworthy. Yeah. Named by the voice of my shame and regret. But when I hear you whisper, child, lift up your head. I remember, oh God, you're not done with me yet. I am redeemed. You set me free. So I 
Shake off these heavy chains, wipe away every stain, cause I'm not who I used to be. Because I don't have to be the old man inside of me, cause this day is long dead and gone. Because I've got a new name, a new life, I'm not the same, and a home that will carry me home. I am redeemed. You set me free. So I'll sing all these every chains, wipe away every stain. I'm not who I used to be. I am redeemed. You set me free. So I'll shake all these every chains, wipe away every stain. I'm not who I used to be. Shout about church, oh God, I'm not who. Jesus, I'm not who I used to be. We are redeemed. Oh, thank God, redeemed. God bless you, church. God bless our Savior. Amen. Yes. Have a great week. Have a great week.